Love Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest show on And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back to this old school style episode, where tonight we're going to be talking about the Ghoul Geek Keith's film pick of the week, Splice from 2010, directed by Vincenzo Natale. Why is it old school, you ask? Because it's just me and the ghoul. The monkey's off until September, and the dean is off because today is his birthday. So yes, happy birthday, dean, indeed. But yes, you just got me in the ghoul. We got a lot to talk about, so I don't want to waste too much time. So let's all welcome him, the bold and the beautiful, the Ghoul Geek Keith. Unreal, man. It's so quiet when it's just the two of us. I know. It's so bizarre not to have anybody talking over us. Nobody excited. You don't have the monkey grunting. It's so fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, so. could, I could throw him in I could throw him in every now and again This way we could just have that old familiar sound You know uh, But yes, yes, indeed, <laughs> welcome everybody To what the OG Talking Terror sounded like uh, It was just uh, me and the king uh, Maybe it didn't sound as comfortable As we sound now We were probably a little more uh, Strict and very ordered Trying to be el professional As we discussed whatever pick was done for the week <laughs> yeah well those old episodes we were doing like two episodes sometimes 10 movies you know we didn't know what the fuck we were doing back then when we first started we just wanted to record mm-hmm. that was it's not like we know what we're doing now but you know we just <laughs> kind of just keep it down to like one film now this way we're not jumping all over the place and it gives us an actual like a reasonable amount of time every week to make sure we fit that movie in because i can tell you there was a number of times when we would have multiple films that i definitely would not watch the movie and just wikipedia the fuck out of it while we would do an episode because there were six movies that oh, we'd have yeah. to watch and you know maybe i'd get lucky and get three or four of them in Oh, yeah, those early episodes, I was lucky if I can get maybe four tops because I'd work at other things. And I was like, fuck, we have like eight movies to talk about because remake episode night. So the fuck are we going to talk about? Okay, that's right. We got eight of them. I get to 13 movies that week. Like, I ended up watching 13, you know, and, and it's bad enough that you watched, like, you squeezed 13 films in of varying, you know, quality. But when it's also. Mm-hmm. 13 films that you're kind of watching the same movie double each time, just updated in a way. You know, different actors, maybe they flip a little bit or so, but most of them were always shot-for-shot remakes. Oh, yeah. It happened so often more than not. And, you know, I, I with the current format, yes, we do the hour of horror news with the Dean. He's not here. i got stuff to talk about. But then the hour for the movie, and I think that's more than enough because I, I like how we do it now. But uh, speaking of things we wanted to talk about, because the, the ghoul and I 
every now and then we'll talk to each other through text uh, when things come up, especially when it comes to podcasts. Yeah, we're actually and one of the things <laughs> I know. Go figure. We actually talk to each other outside of the show. Um, so yeah, we're having a discussion through text. I wanted to save it for the show because I wanted to kind of elaborate on this. Um, and we were talking about Jim Carrey in the '90s. Uh, movies like Dumb and Dumber, Ace Ventura, The Mask, uh, and then versus Adam Sandler, because the ghoul, he said that he likes Adam Sandler, and that kind of made me say, you know what, we got to save this debate for the show, because I, I just, I, I don't know I, what it is about Adam Sandler you like, and I wanted to hear what you like about it, versus Jim Carrey's slapstick, because I think there's something you said about both. Uh, well, I mean, again, I think the whole thing spawned off of, you know, me not being the biggest fan of that specific time frame of Carrie's career. Um, you know, I don't know. I guess, I guess it's the, the 1994 to, I guess, you know, let's say about 1998, you know, um, that four-year mm-hmm. yeah. period in which you had Ace Ventura was huge. The Mask was huge. Dumb and Dumber was huge. All three of those movies came out the same damn year. Um, you know, then you then you get the next year with Batman Forever, Ace Ventura, What Nature Called, The Cable Guy, Liar, Liar. And then finally, in 1998, you get The Truman Show, which is, for me, you know, that was when Jim Carrey, I felt, like, kind of came to form. That film was mm-hmm. not slapstick. It was comedy, but intelligent. It told a story with heart and yet was still entertaining and funny. Now, Liar Liar wasn't terrible, and nor was Dumb and Dumber, mm-hmm. but that time frame for me, like those types of characters in general, I always feel work better on sketch shows like Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live and where right. it worked well for Jim Carrey, as I knew him at the time, from In Living Color. I was a huge In Living Color fan back in the day. Yeah, that's a fantastic show. I get you there. Um, okay, so yeah, we have, Jim Carrey had that, that big uh, kind of slapstick era, <clears throat> which you don't really see too much anymore, because um, I think people like him and, and Chris Farley really kind of nailed it with slapstick. Um, that's where he became a household name. Me, because you brought up the Truman Show, and I agree with you there, Ghoul, but I would say the cable guy for me is kind of what really turned me on to Jim Carrey uh, as an actor. Because it wasn't him being silly and over-the-top stupid. It was him playing a little bit of a, a darker character that did have a, a comedic side. Uh, but it was interesting to see him go a little bit dark uh, for that, especially during that era when he was king of slapstick. Mm-hmm. And see, again, like I, I know that that's considered a black comedy. I know he's playing a quote-unquote dark character in that film. But all I really saw was him still playing that same comedic style role. It's just now instead of it being, I'm Jim Carrey and I'm dumb, that's why you find me. It's, I'm Jim Carrey and I'm malicious, so that's why you're enjoying mm. me. Um, you know, and that, that, that's kind of what I felt with that. Plus, it's got Matthew Broderick in it. And for me, Broderick has got... He's like, there's, there's, there's certain films with him that I just find hard to swallow. And, again, that was just mm-hmm. one of those. And I think some of that is also because of Godzilla. It's um, like a little bit of a hangover in there. And I know Godzilla came after that. For two <laughs> years, it came after the yeah. cable guy. But for me, Matthew Broderick, I just forever see him as this, this kid. You know, I see him as Ferris Bueller. I see him in War Games. And 
like when he hit this like adult transition period, it was like for me anyway, it was jarring. You know, I knew Matthew Broderick as Ferris Bueller, and then all of a sudden you yeah. see him in the Cable Guy, and he's like a middle-aged man, and it's like, well, what <laughs> the hell happened to Matthew Broderick? Like, when did he go from being a fucking teenager to being a middle-aged man suddenly? Yeah, it it is bizarre because I, Ferris, that's the one that everybody goes to. I mean, uh, I liked him in Project X, um, not the party movie that came out in the 2000s, but the 80s Project X, and then also War Game. The monkey. But yeah, the one with the monkeys. But this, so this is where we're gonna go because you have Adam Sandler around the same time, I want to say like the 94, the 98 region, where he's doing similar things. But to me. Even as a kid, I didn't really like him that much because he was so babyish with his delivery. Like, he was always playing a man baby. And I never really understood it, whereas Jim Carrey was kind of like a Tex Avery cartoon. Yeah, and, and again, you give me Jim Carrey for physical comedy, for his ability to actually, like, perform the things that he did. Those things I can appreciate. I just didn't find them as funny. And, yeah, there was something about Sandler... During that time frame, you know, specifically like Billy Madison for me, I thought it was hysterical. Mm. But like, I also felt like Sandler, and maybe it was that, yes, Sandler had a lot of movies over that stretch, but they, I don't want to say they were varied, because listen, the reality is they weren't all that varied. But no. that being said, you know, when you go from, you know, again, like, I wasn't a big SNL guy. So, for me, like, my introduction to Sandler obviously was, like, from people having the live Sandler CDs and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, like, they were huge. Know, he, he, was the, he was the drummer kid in Airheads, um, you know, and then mm-hmm. obviously Billy Madison. But, like, I liked Billy Madison. I was a big fan of that one. But then all my friends were huge fans of Happy Gilmore. I found Billy mm. Madison to be more my liking than Happy Gilmore was. But yeah. then, like, from uh, there, yeah. you know, he went into smarter comedy, I felt, like, quicker. You didn't get, like, a three- or four-year period of him just doing the same thing. Because, you know, by the time you have 98, he's doing The Wedding Singer, you know? And, yeah. you know, yes, mm-hmm. that same year, he also does The Water Boy. But you have Slapstick, and you have intelligent you know then you look at 99 you got big daddy you know a film Mm -hmm. with a lot of heart and comedy and then he's also induced bigelow male gigolo you know obviously that's a it's it's a freaking you know rob schneider film but and it's but it's also you know sandler's production company's first film now the one movie in that time frame that i hated and is kind of what turned me away from sandler completely for a long stretch was little nicky you know, so no, again, no, yeah. you know, wedding singer, <laughs> big daddy, like movies I loved. You know, Waterboy, it's all right. It's got you know, it'll give me a giggle here and there, but if it's on, I might watch it for a few minutes and I'm changing the channel. Um, Little Nicky doesn't even get a chance to like even establish that that movie's on, man. I think there's like one part in that film that like makes me giggle and like that that's about it. Now the funny thing with him too though is like I've still for the most part, avoided Sandler's like real serious work. So like I've never seen mm. anger management, you know. Um, 
you know, there's plenty of films of his that I haven't seen. And unfortunately, yes, there are plenty of things like you don't mess with the fucking Zohan and shit like that that I have seen. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Like I said, for some yeah. reason, he resonated better with me than, than Carrie did. Mm-hmm. And with, with so Sandler, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I would much prefer the, the Carrie movies of the 90s to Sandler, like we had said. But Sandler works for me when there's just as little of him as possible. Like in Airheads, I fucking love that movie. And he's just a side character in that movie. He's one of the rockers, but he's not the main character. He's not the main focal point. Like in, in uh, uh, Big Little Male Gigolo, he's a cameo. Like in Mean Girls, he has a cameo. Like in those movies where he just cameos and he just shows up and he just goes, shove it doo and then just walks away, I'm okay with it. Like, it's, <laughs> you know, I'm okay with it because he's gone. You know, and you're like, have you, have you, you know, that fucking little baby shit that he does. Like, you know, it's like fine. <laughs> Dude, I love his cameo in that there's that one <laughs> flick, that Schneider flick, The Hot Chick. Where oh my God, he's a drug, the druggie, yeah, the the high guy, yeah. When he, he's the guy in the thing, and he's like, well, you can hide your weed in it, you know. And the fucking, but like my favorite part is that scene where like they're telling the story <laughs> and the music's building and the drums are building, and then it cuts and there's Adam Sandler <laughs> on the bongos, and they're like, can you stop yeah. that, please? <laughs> yeah. Ooh, oh, sorry. <laughs> you can put your weed in there, you know. I guess it's gonna take a nap. <laughs> Fucking hilarious. This is a, but that's what, what is, he's like, this best. Is a, this is a replica of the the prison that Nelson Mandela was in. <laughs> and look, if you look right here, you can hide your weed in it. <laughs> well, excuse me, I'm going to go take a nap. And he just fucking walks away. Like anybody <laughs> would buy that fucking paper mache fucking prison just to put their weed in it. But the, only, the one thing I will give... Uh, Sandler credit for, and he's got fucking so much of this with Netflix. He has that poll where he could say, you know what, I'm going to get Kevin James, David Spade, Chris Rock, and we're going to go to fucking Maui and film a movie. And they're like, okay, here's a bunch of money, because he's fucking Sandler. And I was like, that's the one thing I will give him credit for, that he has that kind of poll, where he could just say, we're going here, you pack your bags. And it's like, okay. Well, you know, He's not only proven his ability to, to perform, he's also proven a yeah. good business sense with Happy Madison Productions, you know, which, listen, are most of those films hit or miss? Yes, you know, but that, on that same note, so many of those films have become cult favorites, you know, like one of my mm-hmm. personal, personal favorites, and I know that Dean completely fucking agrees with me on this one, is Grandma's Boy. Like, we can watch that oh, movie. Oh, I fucking love that movie. movie. It'll, it'll never change. I can watch that at any time. Doesn't matter. It's going to make me laugh. I'm going to enjoy the fuck out of it. And, like, that was one of those that, like, completely came out of left field for me. I think I had, like, rented it or, or something. <laughs> and it was, like, one of those nights that, like, I started watching the movie. And I got, like, about five minutes in. And I immediately, like, I just stopped it, contacted <sighs> Dean and was like, dude, you need to come over. We need to smoke some devil's lettuce. And we need to watch this film because I think it's going to be fucking great. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorites. And it doesn't feel like a Sandler movie. You know, he doesn't cameo in it, you know, but Rob Schneider's in it. But it's, it's, that movie's fucking so horrible. Like, then I looked up in the tree and there was the fucking king of the jungle. <laughs> <laughs> I am naked. <laughs> Dante, man. <laughs> I love Dante. 
Come on, Mr. Pizza. <laughs> Come Pizza sit on my face. <laughs> yeah. They still close in the Matrix? Who ends, up tur- who ends up fucking, you know, showing up in the Hatchet movies. That, that actor. Yeah. And Joel David Moore. He's fantastic. Like, you know, he's, he's underrated. But in that movie, he's just so fucking great. <laughs> Nick Schwartz in Does this man? music scare oh, you? Fuck, no. Oh, please. One of my favorite it's movies. Rad car bed. Yeah. Might be getting a CB radio this Christmas. Talk to other car beds. My are going to get me a CB radio so I can talk to other car beds. Fucking sick car bed. Did you really give a hand job to Charlotte Chaplin? <laughs> what are you silent? Should have worn a condom. Calls us to. Called a civil, silver fox at one point. Like, I wasn't a fucking vomit in my mouth. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I love it when Jonah Hill watches them make out. And he's like, can you guys stop? Uh, amazing that there's Jonah Hill in that movie, too, you know? Jumbo Jonah Hill. That was, uh, he, was, he was a big boy in that movie. Yeah, and, well, you know. I mean, you had that and, uh, and what do you call it at that point? So, I mean, that's what I knew him from. Uh, but McLovin and all that shit. But, you know, I'm, oh, I'm super bad. My... Super bad. So, like, you know, like I, did, I barely even recognized him from that into Grandma's yeah. Boy. Like, he looks so dramatically different with the hair and everything. It was like, wow, okay. So, yeah, there, there, there he is. Yeah, that was the way I felt when I saw the 40-year-old version, and he had a cameo on that when he was trying to buy a, a pair of boots at the eBay store. And he was like, I'd like to buy this. I was like, holy shit, this is Jonah Hill. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Completely no unrecognizable. Why can't I just yeah. buy it here? <laughs> well, well, no, you have to go home. You have to bid on it. But I have the money, and I just want these. I, I forget. He, he calls them something with those fucking boots, man. You know, disco boots. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just want to take the boots home. Well, you can't. Why well, can't you just take my money? <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, I don't know. Like I said, I, I just I, I just always be a Jim Carrey kind of guy. I mean, I know it's, it's a slap. Like, Ancient Tour, I can't stand. Like, I, I can't stand those movies. I know people love them. It's too much. Like, I like Dumb and Dumber. I like Cable Guy, you know. Um, but uh, what's the, the Mask, I think The Mask might be my favorite of that era of the 90s because it was mm. so Tex Avery and it was so over the top. But that's not just because of Jim Carrey. That's also because of the effects. And that's also because of, of the, the, the cast. So it's not all Carrie in, in the mask. Yeah. It's, it's a part yeah, of it. I, mean, I saw that in theaters, man. You know, like I remember when that came out and, you know, that was like, that was all the freaking rage, man. It was like the, the big, big release of that year. You know, it was just mm-hmm. one more of, of many things, but, uh, yeah, Cameron Diaz, you know, that was kind of supposed to be her 21-year-old, first yeah. big, huge thing, you know, and, uh, and that was that was the thing. Like, everybody was all about, oh, my God, she's so hot. She's the next big star. She's this, she's that. Um, and, yeah, so, yeah, I got it. I mean, once yeah, you get you have, past, yeah. like I said, once you get past the Truman Show, you know, for me, mm-hmm. Carrie's entire resume gets it gets fantastic. I mean, Man on the Moon, Me, Myself, Irene, you know, Bruce Almighty, Eternal Sunshine. There's so many, like, great films in there that are 
are just it's I like when he performs without needing to always like and you'll notice I don't bring in like the Grinch. Like, okay, I get right, it. Jim right. Carrey can bend his face and he's a living cartoon and oh look what they did. They put some makeup on him and now he is the Grinch. Like, okay. It was impressive, but I prefer the original cartoon still. It's shorter. Um, mm-hmm. the, <laughs> the, the people aren't so weird looking. They're mouse people, which just fucking works in a cartoon and just looks bizarre in real life. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, again, that's why I kind of lean more towards Carrie, because I think that he, uh, he was able to do the, like, the slapstick comedy, but he could also turn it around and do things like the Truman Show. Uh, can do things like Man in the Moon, uh, the number 23, uh, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, like you had said, which I think is a fucking fantastic movie. Um, he, he, he's able to kind of turn off the extreme comedy for a little while, where Sandler struggles a little bit when it comes to that. Like, he did Funny People, which isn't a, a, a comedy so much as a drama. Then he did Punch Drunk Love. Um, then that movie with Don Cheadle about post-9-11 New York. Like, he tries. Mm-hmm. But he just he doesn't quite get it like Carrie can, where he could turn off the comedy and be serious for a little bit. Like like Sandler has a trouble. I think he struggles a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I, I think Sandler. Well, I, I mean, I I don't know if you've seen Uncut Gems yet. I thought Uncut Gems was fantastic. Not um, yet, but I'm, it's on my list. It's it's yeah. I mean, it's him finally like putting himself in a role, and it works. It works extremely well. But I get what you're saying with that. Like, I never see a role with Sandler in which I take Sandler seriously. Now, I can see Sandler in roles like, like a film like Blended. You know, like, I love that movie. I found that. Like, I love when he works with Drew Barrymore. I think the two of them blend very mm-hmm. well. Uh, obviously, haha, the movie's called Blended. Literally. <laughs> they, <laughs> they work very well together. Um and, you know, like I saw that in 51st Dates, you know, The Wedding Singer. I know originally I think she was supposed to be with him with Mr. Deeds, but somehow something happened hmm. and she uh, ended up being Winona Ryder. Um, but, like, again, with, like, blended, like, that family style thing, even something like Pixels, you know, like, silly film, yeah. video game-based thing. But, you know, is it a comedy? Of course it is. But the, it has, like, a heart to it that... Hmm. You know, you kind of feel it in, a, in like a family sort of way. You can watch that film with your kids. You're going to get adult humor. You're going to get childlike humor. And it kind of works. You know, it works like a lot of those 80s films worked for us as kids that like our parents could actually stomach some of our movies, you know, in those rare few times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was rare. I was going to say, my parents weren't really around that much. Going, what, movie night? Like, no, it's usually just me putting it in the tape. And then just saying, we're going to go over here now, <laughs> you know. Watch your fucking movie, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, that's just something I wanted to bring up before we get into the horror news, just a little bit of discussion. So uh, one of the other things I wanted to talk about is that you had brought up on the group chat about the New Mutants um, and about how it was pulled uh, from the August 28th uh, premiere. But apparently that's still on. Apparently the 28th, they're still planning on releasing the New Mutants because they just released an IMAX poster today for August 28th for the New Mutants. So it looks like it is still okay. interesting. Okay, yeah, I mean, but I mean, it's only a couple weeks away. According to Wikipedia, yes, it is still on for its August twenty eighth release date. Um, I hope so. You know, we got an idea. Yeah, I hope so. I know that what I had also read in an article 
was that, you know, no matter what, I mean, this has to be theatrically released. Uh, they are contractually obligated to okay. put that film in theater. Um, they cannot put it digitally. They cannot send it to Hulu. They cannot put it to Disney+. Plus. Like, this has got a contractual obligation that they cannot get out of, you know, without a full-on renegotiation at this point, which I don't think they want to put all that time and effort and money into. I think they'd rather just probably get it into the theater. And I don't know. I don't know if there's, like, in the contract, I don't know, obviously, the details of it, but I don't know if in the contract it has to be in the theaters for a week, two weeks, three weeks. Does it have to reach a certain monetary milestone? Um does it have to not hit a certain monetary milestone for them to be able to pull it and just be like, okay, and in a month from now, we're going to put it out on Disney+. Plus. Um, if they get it in theaters and one of the theaters around here is pulling it on a drive-in, I will try to go out of my way to go see it. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I, we've all talked about it. I mean, I just want to see the fucking thing already. Like, just put it in the theater. Put it on video on demand. I don't care. I just want to fucking see the movie. Like, it's been so long now. Where the like the actors have aged three years already, where it's like Jesus, mm-hmm. like you know, it's just it's it's time. So I think you know if they're gonna stick, I mean, it could always change, like we had said. But August twenty eighth, it looks like we're gonna go see it, you know, in the theaters. I don't know if I'd want to go see it in the theaters because I'm still a little bit nervous about COVID. But you know, it'd be nice to see it actually get a theatrical where it could be safely shown. But we'll see. You know, the IMAX poster is on the Talking Terror Facebook page. It actually looks pretty badass uh, for those of you out there that are looking forward to the mutants. Um, but yeah, one of the things, again, I'm, I'm definitely yeah. not going in a theater to go watch. No, no, uh, no. One, I don't think any of the perfect, theaters yeah. around here have, haven't even opened. You know, so as far as yeah. I know, I, I haven't gotten anything from AMC that they're opened. Um, I haven't bothered checking with Regal or any of the other franchises in, in the area to see if they're running anything. I would have assumed I would have found out by now if any of the theaters were open. But yeah, if one of the drive-ins, I mean, I guess for us it's Delcy. Um, would probably be mm-hmm. close yeah. to one. So if the Delcy Drive-In is is playing it, then like I said, I'll, I'll find a way to to get down there for a night and and check it out. But yeah, otherwise I'd be waiting for hopefully for it to come out on digital, which is what you yeah. Know, unfortunately, I, I, they should have they should have renegotiated by now and gotten mm-hmm. the damn thing on digital. Yeah, I'm surprised that they didn't really think ahead that way. I mean, I know that they're saying August 28th, but they very easily could have renegotiated and said, let's put it on Disney Plus. You know, and just, you know, have people watch it that way because at least people will watch it. We'll put it on video on demand for those who don't have uh, Disney Plus. So just let them see the movie because it's just, it's been long enough. But, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see when well, it comes to that. Um, yeah, go well, ahead. Well, one of the things that Disney Plus is doing is like uh, the upcoming Mulan film. Um, yeah. What they're doing is, is it's, I guess it's going to get a limited theatrical release, but at the same time, okay. it's going to drop on Disney Plus. But if you want to have access to it, it's going to be behind a paywall. And you'll pay mm, like 30 yeah. bucks. And you'll have uh, – what I read up is originally we thought it was only like a 48-hour window. Um, but I right. guess they released something at a later point that said it would be – you'd be able to watch it unlimited um, through Disney+. Plus. It would be just like a streaming rental that's open permanently. Um, so, But in order to watch it, you pay that $30. And then, yeah, you can sit down and watch Mulan in the comfort of your own home. You know, right through your Disney Plus thing. I think that's an interesting way to explore it. Now, I like yeah. the fact that it's an unlimited amount of time or an unlimited amount of viewings. Like I said, my big problem with the $20 rental of, like, you know, the, the Universal films 
is that's 20 bucks to watch a movie that I'm going to watch one time and not have access to anymore. So right. um, that's why I, ne- I never went for that. You know, like I said, I waited for the invisible man to just finally be released. I bought it for $14 and now I own it. Yeah. Yeah. That's like you said, that's the way to go. I don't understand why they wouldn't do it that way. You know, if you're going to put a movie out like uh, uh, the invisible man, put it up there for 20 bucks and it's unlimited. You know, it's not 48 hours you have, and then it's going to be gone. So you better watch it within the 48 hours. Like, I'd rather pay the $20 than have it, you know, and it's, it seems like that's just the more viable option. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I completely agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we talked uh, last week about uh, how John, uh, <laughs> what I, happened? I have to apologize, but, you know, it's just so funny. I happened to open my email. As we're discussing yeah. this, and you know who I got an email from? At 9.16 tonight, I got an email from AMC Theaters. Oh. So first, they'd like, oh. they'd like to express their hope that me and my family and friends are all healthy and well. Uh, but they'd oh, also nice. like to tell me that they are finally nearing an end to more than five months of closures. Uh, oh. I guess their theaters are reopening. Um, no. Let's see. Uh, by, 20, by August 26th, all of the wow. AMCs in Europe and the Middle East will be open. Um, oh, in the States, they're going to resume operations on August 20th. And continuing mm. that, about two-thirds of their theaters across the country will be open no later than September 3rd. Uh, rigorous cleaning and safety protocols. Uh, new mm. movie titles are here, and we are bringing back some great ones. So Disney's latest installment in the X-Men Cinematic Universe, The New Mutants, debuts on hey. August 28th. Uh, <laughs> Tenet, uh, Christopher Nolan's film, is going to open on September 3rd. Uh, a Russell Crowe movie called Unhinged is going to come out on August 21st. Okay. And, da, 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 da. Oh, okay. and also starting on August 21st, leading up to that film Tenet by Christopher Nolan... Uh, they are going to be showing a 10th anniversary edition of Inception, which includes a special message Ooh. from Chris and a sneak preview footage of Tenet. Um, as for movie for library titles, they will be showing all of these beloved movies on the big screen of AMC. So these are films that are going to be available at your AMC theaters if you feel like braving the theater. Uh, Back to the Future. Beauty and the Beast, okay. Black Panther, mm-hmm. Bloodshot, Ghostbusters, Goonies, Grease, I Still Believe, I don't even know what that is, uh, no. Manji, <laughs> The Next Level, Sonic the Hedgehog, and The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, okay. Wow. Breaking up the big guns. offers to, to welcome you back starting August 21st. Bringing back of classic films will all be priced at only $5 per ticket plus tax. So all of those classic films right there are only going to be $5 yeah. for you to go. Um, and they're also offering wow. a whole host of $5 food and beverage specials to welcome you back <laughs> to their theaters. And they're giving up <laughs> to our members. Yes, basically they are begging for us to come back. Uh, you get double points <laughs> and time extensions for, for something. I don't know what a time extension is for. Uh, you get a $10 gift as, as an A-lister, so yay. Oh, boy. And, uh, 
and reinstate your – this I like. Reinstate your A-list membership as you choose when you want. So they will not be charging That's me cool. unless I want to do it. So I appreciate that greatly. That is very cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that. I was afraid they were going to fuck you over. Be like, we're open now, so pay up, bitch. Like, well, I'm not, I don't want to go back to the theater right now. Can I wait? <laughs> Can I just, you know, wait it out a little bit? So that's very cool. Very cool of AMC to do that. So those are all your choices, folks. If you want to go back to AMC and see these movies just in time for New Mutants on August 28th or any of the classics, you know, I'm sure if the monkey's listening, he's going to be racing to go see Empire Strikes Back. How much he loves that, you know, of edition of uh, Star Wars. So very cool. It's, um, it's, it's my favorite movie, but I'll be perfectly honest with you. My health mm. and my family's health has to come first. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I do apologize, AMC. It's, it's, look, you know what? Again, I, I would need a good amount of time and know that our levels are down, down for a long time before I fucking go into any kind of small enclosed area of such in which people... People do gross fucking things in the movie theaters, man. Yeah, they do. Teenagers are gross. Kids are gross. Adults are gross. There are just, sometimes there are just fucking gross human beings out there. I don't even want to tell you (laughs) half the illegal shit that we used to do in the fucking theaters when I was a kid. Uh, Some of it was just downright nasty. I'm ashamed of myself. Some of it should put me in fucking jail. People would look at me different to hear some of the stupid shit we would do. Don't Um, bring a blacklight. Definitely, yeah, well, that, that, that's all fine and dandy. That's what Free Willy six times is all about. You know, I'm talking <laughs> yeah. about man. Um, so, so, yes, you know, again, I am glad that they're opening. I'm glad that they've – I might even be willing to fucking pay my A-list price, even mm-hmm. though I'm not going, just to be like, you know what, I still support the idea of the movie theaters and all of that stuff. Um, I don't know. I'd have to think about it and see where I'm at financially because – Still, so twenty three bucks is twenty three bucks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> buys a lot of blowjobs in Asbury Park back in the day. No, just kidding. Oh yeah, man, that's a Friday night. Gave you about five. people. Yeah, I didn't. You didn't say they were quality, but their quantity is what you're at. <laughs> you finished. Yeah. Um, so you were happy. Yeah, as long as you finish, who gave a fuck? <laughs> yeah. That's the point, yeah. I'd rather have, you know, five good ones than quality. But um, Okay, so uh, a couple things are, are happening in development. So one of the things I wanted to talk about, and I think uh, the ghoul might agree, he might not, uh, but uh, stay tuned from 1992 with the way John Ritter and oh. Kim Dauber, probably one of my favorite comedies from the 90s. Okay, I can completely so just, agree yeah. with that. I mean... I saw it in theaters. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. yep. I saw it uh, on replay many, many times on HBO. I fucking loved it. Apparently, Morgan Creek, that's the original production company behind Stay Tuned, they are teaming up with AMC to create a television series based on Stay Tuned. Interesting. I think okay, it has I a lot think, of potential to do it right. Idea. Absolutely. No. I think it, uh, it's a good long-form way to do it. Um, the, the, the movie was a great little like microcosm introduction to that entire twisted little world. Um, and yeah, I could easily see a properly casted TV series working very well for that. Yeah. I think the way that they, they set the movie where you have 666 channels, 
you know, it's one of those things where a series would be great because every episode could be a different channel. And you have a couple trying to escape that channel. I mean, that's just me thinking out loud. I'm pretty sure they probably think of that already. But I just, that, that movie with Jeffrey Jones as Satan and Eugene Levy as his assistant is just fucking so classic. Mm-hmm. Oh, all the little, it's just it's such a great little parody of so many other TV series. It's make you know, it's, it's John Ritter making fun of himself with, you know, a little bit of Jack, <laughs> Jack Tripper comedy in there. I mean, John Ritter was a great physical comedian. Um, yes, he was. Yeah. You know, I, I was a big fan of Three's Company as a kid, even though I might not have even gotten every little nuance of it. I just enjoyed watching it. They made me laugh. Me too. Um, even if I didn't understand why I was laughing sometimes. You know, and again, as a kid, I was like, ooh, pretty girls, you know, ooh, they got boobies, you know. Oh no, Jack's in trouble again. You know, uh oh, he's gonna get caught by Mr. Rupert or Mr. Furley, whichever one it is this time. Like I never even understood that old thing, you know, like I never never good never even gathered that yeah. different guys. I think it wasn't until I was older that I was like, Holy shit, there were two different fucking landlords. Yeah, there was. And they didn't explain what happened either, if I remember right. I think they just fucking took over one day. And it's just like, Oh, okay. <laughs> we're here now. Just like with Jack Tripper's girlfriend's always switching. Like oh wasn't uh, that one girl on this show? Nope, gone. <laughs> but yeah, that you know uh, parroting Wayne's World. I mean that fucking movie had everything. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it was a great little snippet of its time, making fun of things that made fun of things. You know, I mean Wayne's World was in itself a parody of itself off of an SNL skit. You know, so it was yeah. uh, again it, it was a lot of fun, and I really enjoyed seeing it at the time, and. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, it all comes down to casting, though. You know, so Absolutely. depending on who they get, how they do it, uh, it should, should be interesting. I wonder if they get Ritter's son. That I was thinking about. Yeah, yeah Jason Ritter. I think he'd be a great choice. Because mm-hmm. I've seen a couple of the things that he's been in. He's, he's good. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. I mean, I did like him in Freddy vs. Jason, uh, surprisingly. Well, I was going to say, if you don't count Freddy versus Jason, I've seen him in other things that I've liked him in. That was not one of them. He wasn't terrible. I mean, that he wasn't the problem with Freddy versus Jason. There was a lot of other problems. No. That. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you take off the, uh, I watched it not too long ago. You know, I want to mm-hmm. say maybe about two. It was it was during this this COVID period of you know whatever the last yeah. five months. And, you know, like I still enjoy the film. It's still much better than that film ever deserved to be. That movie really mm-hmm. could have really been fucking a stinker. It should yeah. have been terrible, you know, but for what they gave us, it was good. And I remember seeing that in theaters and loving every stinking yep. minute of it. And then I remember <laughs> watching it when it came home on DVD and everything and being like, okay, it's still enjoyable. But, you know, maybe I, I, I thought it a little too too much in the theater. And then I just watched it, you know, like I said, a couple months ago, and I'm watching it, and, like, even the cool girl, like, looked at me, she goes, wow, I, I really didn't remember this movie, like, being so bad. Like, some of the acting that is going on, like, Monica Kina is terrible, and it's a wonder that you don't oh, see her anymore awful. in anything, you know? Like, she can't <laughs> act out of a fucking paper bag, and for me, she's going to forever be Abby, you know, the girl in Dawson's Creek that was a From bitch, Dawson's, yeah. And then, then drowned. <laughs> You know, she, like, gets drunk and, like, fell off the fucking dock and drowns and fucked Jen Lindley up forever, man. 
You know, it was like one of those like <laughs> yeah. character defining moments for the Jen Lindley character, uh, Michelle Williams, you know, portraying her. Mm. You know, I, that's so sad uh, that I can sit here and like fucking name these characters still fucking. I remember it. I was gonna I was gonna say. Show. Jen Lindley yeah. with Grams, and then you had Pacey Witter banging his teacher, Dawson Leary, <laughs> Joey Potter. Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just getting that strange from Pacey's sister. And then Joey Potter having to choose between Joey and Pacey. We, we saw her in something recently. I forget what it was. <laughs> we were watching it. Like, I'm looking at her going, wow, she looks familiar. Who is that? I'm like, oh, I know who she is. <laughs> Pacey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Little Joshua Jackson, yeah. man. And a, it's either Casey oh, or Charlie. Whatever happened to him. One or the other. Yeah. <laughs> Charlie Conway. Quack, quack, quack. <laughs> <laughs> ducks, fly to, ducks fly together. Uh, he was in that uh, Fringe show for a number of years. So. That's right, he was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was. That's right. Yeah, that, well, I think that lasted a couple of seasons. But yeah, Monica Keenan, she. It's like you have to have an actor in those movies back then, back in the early 2000s, have to say a really cheesy fucking line. And she had that Freddy versus Jason, take your bets. Like, oh, Dude, no. Every line she spoke, it was <laughs> like you couldn't have, like, it was like they, she couldn't memorize her lines. So they were constantly putting the script in front of her. I think she almost always has like a piece of paper in front of her throughout the whole film. Yeah. Like, you know, there's that scene she's like laying there on the, the couch or whatever. And she starts dozing off for that second. She like micro naps mm-hmm. or whatever. And like she, she wakes up and she's like, Jason doesn't like water. Freddie doesn't <laughs> like fire. Maybe we can work <laughs> with that. Like, yeah, sure. Uh, It's just when you have an actress like Catherine Isabel in your movie, you make her the lead and you make Monica Kina the fucking sidekick. Because at least Catherine Isabel could fucking act. And the fact that they made her the the side character, Kit, and get killed. I'm like, come on. (laughs) You're leaving us with Monica Kina and fucking the the Destiny's Child, uh, Kelly Rowland. You, You do not. You do not change Catherine Isabel's role in that film. Okay, one, she fucks. Uh, I know why. She's hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, she's so hot. Yeah. She's so cute in that little ball cap, okay? A la fucking, mm. uh, what's her face from Halloween? Carrie. Like, come on, yeah, Carrie, you know what I mean? Yeah, PJ Souls. Freaking, oh, yeah. No, 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 no. I am perfectly fine with Catherine Isabel doing what she does. And she has a very glorious death on top of it. So it all works out. She does. Yeah, she does. I mean, it's, but there's just, yeah, Freddy versus Jason, there's just there's so many problems. Like, I mean, is Monica Kina, it's the fact that it's Jason wandering into an Elm Street movie, which I even felt back then when I saw it in the theaters. I loved it in the theaters like you did, but I still felt like it was Jason wandering into an Elm Street movie going, what the fuck am I doing here? Mm-hmm. Okay, so Joshua Jackson, yeah. just, just to give you the update on it. Uh, okay, it let's go. The, uh, miniseries When They See Us from 2019, and something that I've hmm. heard of, I've never seen. Uh, it's uh, got Reese Witherspoon in it, Little Fires Everywhere, uh, which I know was pretty big. It was on Hulu. Yeah, I've seen ads for it. I didn't know that. They didn't really advertise that he was in it, though. Remember, they were doing the Reese yeah, Witherspoon right. thing, like that's a new series. But wow, okay, well, good for him. He's still working. You know, that's it's, I've always liked Joshua Jackson. I mean, I loved him in Urban Legend. 
when he did the coke and, and the pop rocks trick, and then he ended up getting killed by being hung up by the car. Like he was, he was great in that movie. Oh, he was, he was in freaking the skulls, man. I mean, he had that whole. That's right. He was in the skulls. Holy shit. He is good. I always enjoy seeing him and stuff. And I hope that they, uh, cause I know they're bringing back the, the mighty ducks with some Disney oh, Plus series. So okay. I hope that, uh, that he, that Charlie turns up. Yeah, I mean, I I would I couldn't imagine it without him. You know, he, he's the heart of the Ducks. So I mean, I'm sure that they have I mean, to get Emilio. He should and, be and, taking. And, uh, no, he should be taking the Emilio Estevez role at this point. He's 42. He's the same age as me. So you know what? He's probably the same age as Emilio was at the time. You can turn it all around and have it where it's you know a bit of a. Uh, again, that evolution of, of character, you know, you go back to where you started from. Let's say Charlie Conway ended up becoming somewhat of a of a mediocre hockey player. You know, maybe he never makes it mm-hmm. into the, to the full-on big leagues of the NHL, but he gets close. But then, you know, he's knocked down a peg or two, and he has to go back home and, you know, who knows, maybe, maybe his brother-in-law, who's a drunk, Signs away the power of attorney while Pacey okay. while Charlie Whittle while Charlie Whittle hey. went to play in Europe. Uh, it's, it's the fucking <laughs> plot of Rocky Four, okay? And that's what puts them down right, on their luck right. for Rocky Five. But we're gonna do it all over again, except that we're gonna do it with hockey this time. I'd be all in for that. I'd be all in. Like that would be a lot of fun. I have to see how it goes. I mean, it would be great to have Emilio fucking take over for for Yano or whatever the fuck his name was, a Swedish guy that owned like the hockey shop. It was just like, I'm here to give some advice, and then I'm going to take a step back. Like, that's it. Just have Emilio for one day. He's the bad guy in Lethal Weapon 2. <laughs> he was. I know that. It's been such a long yeah, time to sure. see that movie. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that is who he was. So, yes, I know he was the, the friendly old man. That was the shopkeeper. I think his name was, like, Hans. <laughs> in, it yes, was, yeah, it was, it Hans, been, yeah. It was Hans in the Mighty Ducks. I, I forget what his damn name was, but it was, you know, oh, Diplomatic Immunity. Oh, man. Oh, I haven't seen Lethal Weapon 2 in so long. Now I have to rewatch it <laughs> just to see the, the comedy old man from the Mighty Ducks <laughs> playing the villain. That's amazing. Um, what, like we were talking about with, with productions, but stay tuned. The other thing, this is kind of interesting. I, I think it's just unnecessary. Uh, but James Wan, who you know from the Saw movies, Conjuring, uh, he has a production company, Atomic Monster. Uh, currently, he is developing a adaptation for the big screen of Knight Rider, the 80s TV series starring David the Hoff, Hasselhoff. I don't know why, but they are doing it. Well, I, I mean, we I don't, don't know. know why. They're hoping to capitalize <laughs> on people's, you know, feelings and thoughts of Knight Rider and hope that most of them are favorable. And then they're mm-hmm. going to try to cash that in with newer special effects. But I don't see why you try that after you've had, what, two failed television tries yeah. for that? I think the most recent one was about eight years ago. Yeah, maybe it, was, it, was, it, was maybe it was 2010. Yeah, I want to say 2010, like, you know, after the, the aughts. I want to say 2010, 2011, because that's when they introduced the, uh, the Shelby Cobra as the car. You know, and it was a brand new kit, you know, and it was, you know, David Hatzoff, I think, showed up for one episode. But to me, like, if you're going to do Knight Rider, I'm okay with it. If you kind of go the route of Baywatch, 
because I'm such a huge fan of that movie. Like, I think it was so funny, and it was just paying homage to the original series, but also having fun with it. And I think you could do the same thing with Knight Rider, in a way. You know, and if they go that route, I think it would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, again, obviously it comes down to casting. And listen, I look at um, Charlie's Angels as a complete... That's, you know, yeah, I like, really did enjoy that, too, yeah. I thought that, you know, the first one with Cameron Diaz in them, I thought that was a good one. You know, the sequel, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, that that's more missed than hit. I thought that the latest mm. one that came out was plenty serviceable. It was fun. It was enjoyable. My 10-year-old liked it, and she's a girl, so you ask me, that's who, you know, one of their, their large audience should be, is young females that are going to those theaters to watch a film about females like themselves doing things that they should be able to dream about, just like us guys have been able to do for years, you know? Um, so, and I thought it did so without it being so over the top. It didn't have to be like a man-hating film in order to right. still be a very fun, enjoyable movie. I know, unfortunately, similar to Dr. Sleep, it just did not gain box office. People didn't go to the theater for some reason to go see the movie. I don't know if it was a bad taste from full throttle, which doesn't make any sense considering that was like 17 no. years ago. Um, I think <laughs> yeah. that was like 2003. Uh, I think it was earlier yeah. than that. Um, but whatever, you know, like I said, and I think it was honestly, besides like American Ultra, I think it was Kristen Stewart at her best. I mean, I've, ne- I've never actually seen her have so much fun doing a performance. Like, she was enjoyable. I couldn't stop watching her on screen. Yeah, and that's that's the thing about Kristen Stewart is that I've I've never been a. It's not even the Twilight movies. Like it's not even like I want to bash her because of the Twilight movies. It's just, I just never really had an opinion over either way. She just always seemed very milk toast uh, with her performances. But there was a movie that she did with Jesse Eisenberg before American Ultra. I think it was like Wonderland. I want to say about the amusement park. It was uh, like a summer movie. Ryan Reynolds was in it. Adventureland. That's it. Yeah. Um, yes. I liked her in that movie. I thought she was great. And I said, she's not that bad. Everybody makes it seem like she's a horrible actress. So I was like, she's not that bad. It's just that she, she's a particular actress when it comes to her performances. Like she, yeah. Well, yes. I mean, listen, she's one note for almost everything. You know, like that's yeah. the problem. Like she's not very expressive. She has the same look on her face, whether she's happy, sad, whether she's having an orgasm or whether she's taking a shit. Like, she is just completely, like, stone-faced at all times, you know? And then every now and again, she'll bite her lip, she'll furrow her brow, and then it resets (laughs) the whole entire thing all over again, you know? So, like, like when you see her in films in which she actually is doing more, it's it's great. And like I said, with Charlie's Angels, she's having a blast. You can see it. She's all full of personality. She's having fun. She's got, like, comedic lines. And, like, she's delivering them well. Like, uh, a comparison, you know, like that underwater movie, which wasn't a terrible film by any stretch, but it was her it wasn't bad. Yeah. being, it wasn't, but it was her being what I typically see Kristen Stewart doing, you know, so yeah. it's her not too far from where she is in the Twilight movies. It's her where, you know, you see her in, what else is she in besides the Twilight movies? I can't even think of any of them right now. It's all I ever think of no. is Bella Swan when I, it. when I think of Kristen Stewart. There's so many of them. There was the one that was like a two-parter that ended it, and then they had the three before it. So she did a lot of those. 
And I think that's Five what she's mainly known for. Like, yeah, I just I can't. She's she's kind of like uh, was, Katie Holmes to me. She was with that talking out of the side of her mouth thing. Oh, okay, well then there you go. I could not remember that for the life of me, but now that you bring it up, yeah, she was in that movie. Um, but yeah, she she like sequel to Jumanji. Yeah. Yep, I remember the game. I remember when that movie came out and they had the game out, and they're like, "Oh, this is the game based on the movie," and you know, but uh, yeah, uh, like I said, Kristen Stewart is bringing up the golf game, street man. We don't know. <laughs> I have no idea, but like I said, Katie Holmes talks out of the side of her mouth. That's what she's known for, and and yeah, uh, Kristen Stewart has that biting the lip, hair flip, and then just kind of like a weird look on her face, and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, all right, yeah, all right, that's Kristen Stewart. I don't hate on her. You know what? She made a ton of money with those Hollywood movies, so I can't really, you know, be like, ah, you know. I would have done it, too, I, if I, I knew I, I was going to make that kind of bank. I watched them, or at least, you know, the beginnings of them, more times than I care to admit. You know, I put them on to go to sleep, too, on a regular basis. It makes the ghoul girl happy. She has no problem falling asleep to them. Uh, if I put anything else on, I normally get the complaint anyway that we always put a movie on that I'm picking, but... You know, I don't know if I look at the list, it's almost <laughs> always Twilight, you know. So we actually went through all five of them, like, last week, you know, putting a different one on each night, so. Because well, you got the book, didn't you? You got the new book, so that's why you got to catch up. Got to go back to Fort well, Washington. The, and, she's reading the new book, you know, <clears throat> so, yeah, she's, she's okay. like, halfway through at this point. I don't know. She might have finished it. I, I'm not sure. She is one of those readers where if she likes the book, she's done in a day. So if she's taking long to to read through it, then something's going on that is is, is bothering her with it. Yeah, and and that's and again, it's funny that we're talking about it because <clears throat> Twilight's a great example with Robert Pattinson, who in those movies is pretty much just like Kristen Stewart, one note, where he's just pale and staring off into space and going Bella the entire time. But then he fucking comes out with the lighthouse, and you're like, holy shit, this guy could actually act. <laughs> I was wrong. I was wrong about Robert Pattinson. He was tricking me the yeah. entire time. I mean, yes, we see him act in the lighthouse. And, you know, we, we have a whole entire episode that we dedicated to that. Um, Check it out, Senor and, and, his, <laughs> and his acting in it. Um, but, yes, the uh, his his portrayal of Edward is, is something to, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's really weird. <laughs> like, you know, he's probably, he's probably the character I like the least. <laughs> in all of the Twilight <laughs> films. And, you know, not, not to, to sound like all those people all those years ago when the books first came out and the movies all first came out, I'm team fucking Jacob, man. You know, she oh, should have went man. with Jacob. She should have stayed with Jacob instead of what the ending is. And you know what? If I'm spoiling it for people, I'm sorry. But you know what? It's been many years since the <laughs> ending came out. Like, the idea that, like, she ends up with Edward turns into a fucking vampire, and then her baby is what Jacob imprints on, like, a fucking horny little wolf. Uh, it's like, uh, what? You know? And it's like, well, it's not what you think it is. Yeah, what? You mean you're not going to be fucking humping her in, like, you know, ten years when she... Or whatever, two days when she grows because she's growing at such a weird rate. You know, she'll be a teenager within a month. Yeah, she was like 25 at the end of that movie, the way that she grew in that CGI manner. It's like she's a baby that by the end of the movie, she's like a teenager. And she's like, sup, Jacob? He's like, what's up, babe? Like, oh, God, you were just a baby half hour ago. (laughs) CGI baby face. That thing was so weird. It was so bizarre. Oh. Oh, the CGI on that baby is a fucking nightmare. And if you go online, I think, yeah, 
they have the actual, the first baby face that they were going to use, and it's fucking more haunting than the CGI. If you ever just bored <laughs> one day, just type in the original baby face for Twilight, and it's just, it's so much more haunting than that CGI. I'm like, I'm so glad they went with CGI, because I, I could not stare <laughs> at that face at the entire movie. Like, it just, it, it would well, give me nightmares. Well, I think special effects-wise, what they did was they took the actress who eventually plays her at her, whatever her end age is, when she's like 12 or whatever it is. Um, mm. They took that actress and put her face on. Oh, yeah. Like, I yeah. guess they digitally regressed it or something. And, like, that's what you get. And that's why it was so bizarre. Like, yeah, it was weird, man. <laughs> and it would do things. It would, like, look at Bella and, like, reach its hand out and, like, touch her on the side of the face. Oh. Like, I, oh. Like, as, I, I got to give them so much credit as actors and actresses because, man, I would love to see the cut scenes of them cracking up every time, like, this thing went to, like, reach out and touch somebody. Like, it must have been like that while doing The Mandalorian <laughs> with the child, you know? Like, there have been times where they had to have been, like, dying laughing. Like, here's this little tiny green puppet reaching out this tiny little little green hand, and it's, it's going to make something <laughs> float, you know? And it's like in Scary Movie 2 when he's like, take my strong hand! Oh, yeah, no. He's mixing the mashed potatoes. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it's like, as CGI as it is, I would rather have the American Sniper Baby, where it was Bradley Cooper holding a fake baby throughout, like, half of the movie, where he's literally moving his hand to kick the legs. It's like, at least you could hold that. (laughs) Like, at at least it's viable, where you're like, okay, I'm holding a fake baby, I'm moving it as opposed to like a tennis ball on a stick that's just rubbing your face. (laughs) Well, I'm sure they had some kind of like rubber baby thing that they had. It's just that they had to CGI the face portion of it on there. And then obviously when they're doing the whole like reach out and touch me like moments, you know, they they, they (laughs) had to like CGI that up a little bit. I don't know, that whole fifth move is bizarre anyway, man. Trust me, at some point or another, I'm going to torture the demon, and I'm going to make all you guys watch it. Like I said, just like we pulled the third movie out instead of ever doing the first movie, I'm going to pull, like, the fifth movie out at some point. I'll do it back-to-back. I'm going to do the first movie, then the fifth movie, or the fifth movie, then the first movie. But at least, Mm -hmm. like, the the part two of Breaking Dawn, whatever it is, it's got that fucking huge battle sequence at the end where there's actually a bit of gore. So I was like, at least it's a little horror. Except that they take it away and completely make it a vision so it doesn't Oh, really oh my God, happen. yeah. So they totally oh, when that happened, I fucking wanted to that kick that the screen. Yeah. <laughs> it was so that fucking badass. Died. All these characters are dying. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, no, that was a vision by the giggly vampire. <laughs> like, uh, that, again, we don't need that in the vampire <laughs> movie, but we have it. <laughs> yeah. The Volturi, you know, and all the giggling glory. Um, <laughs> so is, that, la- is that Carlisle? <laughs> like, I love that scene. When they, look, when they first look at the picture, and she sees, like, Carlisle <laughs> in the corner of the picture, like, brooding, you know? Like, here's the Volturi doing all kinds of twisted shit, and there's Carlisle looking like he's ashamed. <laughs> yeah, I know. Just looking down at the ground, kicking rocks around, while the Volturi are fucking rock stars and having a great time. Like, this isn't the life for me. I'm not a god here. I'm not Mike Dexter. I'm just Carlisle. They're not, a, they're not a Lestat, you know? Not everybody gets to be Lestat. He's more like a Louis. 
<laughs> yeah, I, oh, fucking Louie. That's the entire fucking miserable fucking character. That's the movie that we should fucking cover on this show and torture fucking the monkey and the demon with that one. Let them sit the oh, fucking interview totally with a will. vampire. That's an actual, but that's, yeah. that's a horror film. It is. Yeah, it is. I would definitely put it in there. Um, okay, so the last thing I wanted to talk about before we get into the movie tonight is if you uh, know anything about Airbnb, you know, where you can stay at different places, and, and sometimes they do weird specials um, where you can stay in, like, mansions and things like that. Apparently, the last blockbuster in Bend, Oregon, is jumping on the Airbnb train. So starting on August 17th, you can actually book to stay at the last blockbuster. On September 18th, 19th, or the 20th, you and three of your friends could stay in the store from the time they open until the time they close. It's all yours. And you can watch as many 90 new releases as you can from the 90s, that decade. Pepsi, video games, games of mash, popcorn, candy, pillows, beanbags, pull-out couches. It's all yours on Airbnb. I think that's fucking badass to be able to, to rent out the entire store for a night and just stay there and watch movies and just kind of relive the 90s at a blockbuster. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, it's, uh, I, I've yet to ever do the Airbnb thing. Um, you know, I don't know, we go more traditional. We just get a hotel room. Uh, yeah. The, uh, I mean, I, I, I get the fun in that. You know, I guess, yeah, if you get a group of your friends together and you all just rent that place out and just have a big old movie night, and, and just party, party like you're back in the 90s, man. Like I said, I, I, I had a membership to Blockbuster, obviously. You kind of, if you lived in this mm-hmm. area, you kind of had to. Um, yeah. My, my yep. video store of preference will always be Video Home Center. And, Loved you know, it. I would go there. Number nine. Just, you know, that, that's where I would be before you'd ever find me at Blockbuster. Blockbuster was always like my last resort. Like if for some reason Mark didn't have the movie available and, you know, and that was movie for whatever reason I needed to see right then and there at that point, you know, then I'd go to Blockbuster because, you know, they would have, you know, 50 copies of that film. Um, but for the most part, if you went to the went to Video Home Center and the movie you were looking for wasn't there, Mark would just be like, "Well, you know, if you're looking to see something like that, and boom, 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 boom. he'd give you a list and point yep. out all these other films that are like that, that or or the films that were the, you know, the the, the movies that were before this film that that you know helped make that movie. So." He just always always took care of you in that way. He's, he's like family when you went there, you know? So I, I, oh, I always, always had a great time a special there. place yeah. in my heart, man. Yeah, I, I always would support the mom-and-pop video stores well before I went to Blockbuster. Because they had Video Home Center on Route 9 that, that I went to. I know the Dean went to. You went to. And then there was one that was open for a short time over by uh, the All-American Deli right across the street from the English Town Auction. Um, that was right in between the, the, the washing place and the pizzeria, and they opened it for a little while. The owner looked like Stephen King. I would go in there, and he would let me rent whatever I wanted and never cared about how old I was. And I just, I, I love that era, you know, of, of, you know, looking at things. And Mark was such a good guy, like you said. He knew fucking titles like I could never know. Like, he would just rattle off a whole bunch. Like, if you like Friday 13th, you need to watch The Burning. You need to watch Sleepaway Camp. You need to watch Summer Camp Nightmare. Like, you know, just rattle off all these titles. And I'm like, okay, okay, you know, my Friday set, you know, when we get those titles. And he always had the rare ones, too, not like Blockbuster. Blockbuster always had the, the, the popular ones. 
Yeah, well, they have the newer stuff, and yes, the, the ones that were considered popular. They every now and again had some stuff that was like, I don't know, I guess maybe it was something like certain studios or, you know, distribution companies like made them have, but they had like stuff that was like straight to TV video like type of deals, you know? Um, yeah. I was appreciated mm-hmm. that sometimes, you know, when, the, when you're trying to watch Poison Ivy 2, you know, it's <laughs> the only place you're going to find it. But it's funny you bring up oh, the video yeah. store by All-American Deli. I actually remember that place. My dad's shop Do you? Okay. right down the block. My dad's shop was the yellow building right next to Manalip and Luncheonette. So I used to walk Is over that right? there all okay. the time whenever we, when we had, like, slow periods, and I'd be sitting in the office yeah. all day just watching movies on the tiny TV in the corner. I'd, uh, I'd run over there and grab something on video or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that one really well, and I remember exactly what you're talking about, because Manalpa and Luncheonette, I used to love their food. I mean, it was a fucking dive, and, you know, now, in this day and age, you never would be able to trust the food, but back then, it was just fucking good. <laughs> it was a no, good I will tell you right now, Saturday. straight up, Tony Yuha still runs that place. The food oh, is okay. still slamming there. The cheesesteaks yeah. are to fucking die for. Like, listen, the reality the is this. You want a good cheesesteak, you go to Philly. But... Yep. You know, if you want a good cheesesteak in this area, you go to Manalip and Luncheonette because they put out a banging, juicy-ass cheesesteak that fucking tastes like... Like, my mother, out of nowhere, like a couple months ago, was like, you know, I could really go for, like, a cheesesteak from, from the Manalip and Luncheonette. So, like, you know, like, on just a random day, I happen to be passing by, I yeah. grabbed her one, you know? And, like, that for my mom to be like... And, like, my mom doesn't eat food like that ever. She hasn't had their right. cheesesteak in probably 15 years, you know? But, like, that's how good it is. And it still is slamming. And there are other foods oh, great, yeah. too. So. Yeah, but the cheesesteaks are fucking out of this world. Like, yeah. I mean, that's, that's one thing I always look forward to on Saturdays when I'll go over there, like, early. I would always get that for lunch. Nice big and Tony's yeah. son works, you know, the, the grill now as well. It's like seeing a ghost because he looks just oh. like his father. So, like, oh, you know, man. like Tony's still there. You know, Tony looks the same, just older like all of us. But, yeah, his kid yeah. now looks like Tony did when I was a teenager. You know, so, like, I walked in and I was like, wait, what is going on right now? <laughs> yeah. You walked through a fucking time warp. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um Okay, so I want to get into the movie for tonight, which is your pick, uh, Splice from 2010, directed by Vincenzo Natale. Uh, so why don't you give us a little bit of that plot, and then we'll get into this movie. That plot. Um, well, let's see. There is uh, Adrian Brody and Sarah Polly, you know, who is in the, uh, the, the, the much better Dawn of the Dead film from 2004. <laughs> um, she and him create life. And it goes like, he, like Ian Malcolm says, life finds a way, and it goes terribly <laughs> yeah. wrong. So they didn't learn in 1993, and they obviously didn't learn nope. in 2010. No, they didn't. So that's that's the plot <laughs> of splice. That's the splice of life. <laughs> so what do you think about it overall? You know, the cool girl swore to me that we watched this movie together at some other point. Um, <laughs> And I can say that, you know what, I, I've never seen this before. So I think she had seen this, you know, prior to us being together and she saw it with somebody else. Um, because it's definitely the first time I've ever seen it, or at least the first time I've ever seen it to completion. I remember when the film came out. Um, I remember mm-hmm. the creature design was interesting, but also reminded me very much of Mew 
from Pokemon. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. So that, that was kind of weird. So I, I, I obviously <laughs> tell why I'm not, tell why I'm going to stay away from the film, but it was just like one of those where I felt like this was going to be kind of a run of the mill sci-fi film. So I just never, never got around to it. Uh, that mm-hmm. being said, watching it, yeah, I think some of the performances are solid. I think, you know, the special effects are, are good, especially, you know, being that it was 10 years ago. I, obviously, these kind of things are always making huge jumps and strides, but I think in 2010, this was still still looked pretty good. Um, yeah, I think the actress portraying Dren, you know, does a, a great job of being weird, which is what I mm-hmm. guess you want. But, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. I, I guess that's how I feel about it. Twice. Yeah, and uh, and similar to you, I like. I remember when this movie first came out back in 2010 because I remember people on the horror community talking about it and that it's it's Adrian Brody fucking a, a, an animal slash person, and that's the whole thing. Like that's just it's interspecies sex and it's weird. And uh, I never got around to watching it until a couple of years later, and I saw it in bits and pieces when it was on the cable networks, and then yeah, finally uh, this week I sat down to watch it in full. And one of the biggest questions I had wasn't necessarily the, the hybrid thing, but why is Adrian Brody a thing? Why, why does he get movies? Like, why does he keep getting work? I just, that was my biggest problem because I, I saw nothing in this movie with Adrian Brody where I'm like, you know, he's a pretty good actor. Like, I, I could see him being in other things. I'm like, and, then, and Sarah Paul, I, I enjoy. I mean, I know we always joke about the Dawn of the Dead 2004 movie, but she is actually really good in that movie. I give her a lot of credit, especially the opening 20 minutes. I think she's fantastic, um, and I think she does pretty well here. Uh, and then, like you had said with Dren, uh, it's one of those things where I think the actress really pulled everything that she possibly could to be this creature. Um, and and uh, the K&B guys did a great job with, with the effects. But it's one of those weird things because the movie kind of throws you in. And I don't know if you got this like I did, but it kind of just throws you into it. It's like, okay, this is just happening. Like, they are rock stars okay. in, in, you know, in this, and this is where we are. Like, there's no real kind of setup. It's just like these two rock stars, they do experiments. Okay, let's go. Okay, so hold on. First, okay, it's funny you bring this up because me and the Google girl actually had an entire conversation upon starting okay. the film. Like, within the first couple of minutes, we had to pause it. I felt like it started. So we could then yeah. have a conversation regarding Adrian Brody. So, okay, wow, okay. Let's go. This, this is why I wish she was on the air with us right now. It would be fantastic because she could totally give her explanation for all of this. Um, so here's her thing with Adrian Brody. Adrian Brody, okay, is he is attractive to a lot of, of women. And it's not mm-hmm. that he's attractive because he's physically appealing. It's not because he, he's like a handsome guy like, you know, a George Clooney or a Brad Pitt or something like that. It's because right. of his unassuming personality, his demeanor, hmm. the way he holds himself, the way he speaks, the way he presents himself. Um, it's, and it, unfortunately, it's not seen in this film. This film, you want to <laughs> kick him in his fucking balls for the majority of the movie just to see if Every he time. has them. I think he pulled him out yeah. and stuck him up Sarah Polly at some point because she's the one with those throughout the entire movie. But as far as him himself being an actor, Adrian Brody can act, man. Like, I've seen him in things that, you know, like, and again, like, obviously, like, you know, the first thing that come to mind when I think Adrian Brody are all going to be films that he doesn't really do much acting in, and that's King Kong and Predators. Um, mm-hmm. And I, of yep. course, name movies that I've seen him act in, 
No, because those aren't the movies that I think about when I think of Adrian Brody. But I know I've seen a right. lot of films in which he is. I think he was. It was. Wasn't he in the piano or the pianist or something? Um, yes, yeah, one of the, the pianist. Yeah. Um, you know, so like the the guy is like a top notch, like actual dramatic performer. He can do it very, very well. I enjoy watching him. You know, whenever I see him on screen and like it's, he's in a, like, it kind of legitimizes the movie in a way because I feel like he doesn't take roles that aren't something he considers a challenge. So like, even I think like the Predators film, I think for him, he looked at that and was like, this is something completely different than anything I ever portray. This is why I'm going to mm-hmm. do it. Right. Okay. I get that. All right. And see, on the opposite end, for Sarah Polly, I feel like she is always the same exact character. Like, so, who I saw in Dawn of the Dead is who I see here. Who I saw okay. way yeah. back in Go. <clears throat> you know, that fucking... That's right, she wasn't Go. Yeah. Freak movie, you know, back in the day, which I got to... We got to yeah. it up last night. We just didn't see if it's available on Xbox. I love that movie. That movie was so oh, yeah. fun. Uh, that's one of those <laughs> that has like that 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 complete circus style cast in it. That like mm-hmm. when you saw it, then you were like, "Wow, you know these guys are all great. They're all cutting edge. They're so awesome." And now the majority of them are all like actor actors, you know. And it's like cool, man. It's right. cool to know that like I watched that movie back then, recognized the talent in these people, and like they're all talented now. Um, but yes, like Sarah Polly. <laughs> Again, I felt like the character we saw her in Go is still the person she is in this film, and that's 2010. So I feel like she hasn't changed much, and I think in a lot of ways it's kind of stained her for me. So when I see her, I have almost the exact opposite reaction as I do to Adrian Brody. I almost have this reaction of like, oh, great, she's in this. She's going to be the bitch. (laughs) Yeah, and it's like, uh-huh, here we go. And, and who is she through the film? She's the bitch. Um, but, yes, like you said, they throw you right into the movie. There's really not much of a setup. There's no – they literally – I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, we were up at Salem this past weekend, uh, mm-hmm. you know, headed up there again. And, uh, you know, we, we just – we love the town. It's, uh, it's so much fun just to, just to hang out, walk around. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Of course – here we are the second time around. We were supposed to do two days there. We only cut, we cut it to the one just for financial reasons. Um, right. And still, I have not yet to get into any of the dungeons or the museums of the damn place yet because we were too busy having fun, you know, checking out the, the sailing thing that we did and other stuff and right, hanging right. out with each other, which was nice. Um, we need that as adults <laughs> every now and then. And then. You've got to get right. away from the children because otherwise you want to bash your head through the wall. So, anyway, we love them. So, watching the film, I, I, I put myself under the right, the right mindset, let's say, to watch a film like this yesterday, um, due to certain legalities that they have in that location. So, mm-hmm. I, I, I put myself in that mindset and immediately recognized that I am in the womb to start this movie and I am going through the process of being born. You know, my only my only caveat to that is that somebody did graffiti in my mother's womb and put all the names of the production team and the cast inside of it as I was working my way through that womb. 
But that being said, I think it was a very interesting way to present us into this world, to literally come through through the world and be seeing everything that this creature that is being born in the beginning is witnessing and seeing and to even recognize something as soon, as quick as like being born and dying, you know, like right off, yeah. the, right, right off the bat. And it's like, like, you know, that like immediately like made me like get into like some real like deep introspective thought, like, man, it's fucked up to think that like, you know, that the, how many like babies are born and just die. And like, that's all they yeah. see. They see this guy's face for like a couple of seconds and then it's death. You know, like, that's their entirety of their lives right there. That time in the womb and that, like, couple of seconds of fucking of, of, of outside world, and then you're gone. You know, the fragility of life, man. It's just crazy, crazy stuff. But, yes, this is how we're introduced to this, this rock star couple who are working for nerd. Nerd. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> working for nerd. I did like that. And then, of course, their names are Clive and Elsa. I was like, okay, Frankenstein, we get it. You know, <laughs> creationism, you know, and you're going to be making your own creature, but it turns into a monster. So right away, it's like, if, you, if you're savvy, you know, you pick up that Clive was, uh, uh, the Colin Clive was the actor who played Dr. Frankenstein, Elsa Lanchester who played the Bride of Frankenstein, so it's there. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they're working on these experiments of, of hybrids and doing these different things of protein, so they create these, these two creatures that are like penis monsters. Uh, they show that they can meet, <laughs> yeah. and it's... It, like they look like big ass cocks, like you know, just these gigantic cocks with knives coming out of the head, and 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 but well, it's love with these two because it's a male and female, and of course it's like everybody's like, oh fuck yeah, but of course Elsa and Clive are bored, they don't want to be doing this shit for the next five to ten years, so they're going to go fucking underground, baby, and they're going to do a human hybrid with an animal and see what fucking happens, and fuck nerd, we're doing this off grid, baby. You know, and it's like, well, yeah, I mean, essentially again, they yeah. work for a pharmaceutical company or, yep. you know, is, is mm-hmm. really what it comes down to, you know, and the whole idea for them is, you know, they're creating these life forms. They're doing these genetic experiments as scientists. And this company is just simply for them is, is what's funding this research. What they're not grasping or what they haven't fully grasped yet until this film is that as such, that company owns all of their research and all of their discoveries and all of their experiments. So when the bosses tell you that, you know what, you can't keep going, you know, any further because right now you're going to, you can't play God already. (laughs) Essentially. Yes. You know what I mean? Like the the, the movie in a lot of ways, it it reminds me of species, except instead of it being an alien, it's, you know, a genetically modified creature. Um, It's a good call. You know, I think even still to a degree, didn't they like do something with her um, too, where she was yes. modified as well? I don't, I don't remember the full details of that movie. Um, I believe they did, yeah. But like you know, so like you have these two worm-like creatures, and yes, you know, I know they look like nightmare penises. Uh, they, they, they look like <laughs> yeah. when you, you go on like the, the Red Dragon site, and you know you look for a fucking, <laughs> you know, I want you know the devil's dick. And that's what the devil's dick <laughs> looks like. You know, it's all kinds of weird yeah. and fuzzy and has, like, shit sticking out the sides and a big old fucking spike coming out the middle. But, you know, like, I see these two things when they introduce the two of them together. And, you know, as a horror movie fan, my initial reaction is, 
oh, this isn't going to go well. This isn't going to go <laughs> right. well at all. Yeah. And then, like, the, right. little, then the little, like, slimy shit, like, comes out of them. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, here it comes. The one's going to yep. smell the other. And they're lulling me into this, into this idea that everything's okay. But then they're just going to snap it away. And, boom, one's going to eat the other or something. And, no, it just fades, like, right out of that, and, like, everything is A-OK. And it, like, lulls me back into the movie, like, oh, OK, so that's not the direction they're going to go in. So where does this creature come from? And, like you said, eventually what happens is they're, uh, they're told that they cannot take this to the next step and introduce human DNA into this worm-like mix of whatever this thing is. You know, I, we pause the screen and try to get an idea of, like, what every single thing that's in there. And, like, we caught kangaroo, um, what yep. looks like a salamander. You know, one of the things looks like a shark. Yet mm-hmm. they also go at another point and say that she doesn't have anything in her that is predatory. Right. But if, what's a shark if not predatory? Yeah. You know, so that's, like that's you, so that, that made me wonder, like, what are they even talking about at that point? So like, when this thing starts sticking out spikes and shit like that, I love how they're all like, "Ooh, where'd that come from?" And it's like, "What are you talking about, man? Put shark in the <laughs> yeah. damn thing." Yeah. And that was an, that's another problem that I had with with certain aspects of this movie. Um, and it was the fact that they decide that they're going to go ahead with their experiments and get the DNA to make this human-animal hybrid. And then when they do, right from the get-go, it's, it's a disaster. Um, you know, with, with them having to break open, you know, the tank because it's too early, to it just being too wild for them, and they have to find the right ratio of what it wants to eat, uh, which is like Tic Tacs, but they're fucking like energy tablets, you know, that, that the Elsa likes to eat. But right away, it's like one of these things where the movie could end very quickly by them just killing it. So this this is over, like we're done. We're gonna kill it and be done. But every time they say they're gonna do it, they don't. You know, it's either Elsa stopping him because she has that motherly instinct, or it's it's Clive saying, I don't know if I could do this. It's a, but no, it it obviously this is a failed <laughs> experiment. Move on. <laughs> like, you know, you you try it failed. Well, move on. But no, they they keep coaxing it along, which is the problem. Well, it doesn't fail until it fails. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's the thing. It's like <laughs> yeah. no point of the experiment really quote-unquote fail i mean for all intents and purposes it's successful what were they setting out to do they were setting out to create a life form that had all of these qualities of other life forms so that it could basically be a new species is what they were doing they were like you joked before they were playing god um that's right. Yeah. You brought up the whole the whole Frankenstein thing, which is obviously you know a parable to that as well. I also saw a bit exactly. of Adam and Eve here, in which you know that's a good call too. Yep. Elsa constantly prodding Clive every time Clive is looking to make a decision, in which you know what, like hey, we shouldn't do this, or hey, we should abort this. She says something, does something, or you know instigates something that either you know stimulates his investigative nature and pushes him to want to go further, or she just goes completely behind his back and does something. Now, of course, I'm sure plenty of women would watch this movie and be like, well, there you go, you know, women doing the evil again. <laughs> Look, they're, they're making shit bad. Um, 
I'm just going by what the Bible story is. You know, it's not saying that I follow that Bible story or believe in it or whatnot. I'm just saying that's what the Bible story is, and I'm seeing that in relation in this film. Yeah, and and, and it worked. Like in a way, it worked. They're dynamic. Like you would. It's it's Clive initially kind of saying like I don't like this at all. Like we have to get her out of this lab. And then, of course, uh, his brother Gavin shows up, and I'm like, okay, do you really have to get a guy that's so close to looking like Adrian Brody to play his brother? Like, he looked like a member of the Volturi, since we were talking about the Twilight earlier. But it's just like this I fucking very emo fucking brother. Freaks and geeks. You know, I didn't check to see who played Gavin, the brother, but it was just such an eerie kind of thing where it's like they have a similar haircut, except Adrian Brody has a nose that fucking sticks out like a Salem witch. Like, you know, that's how you could tell him apart. He, <laughs> you know, I mean that thing when he's when he is fucking kissing Drew. Taller than the guy. <laughs> I know, but they're both just like sad fucking emos. Um, but it's it, it's them. It's Elsa the one that decides to go to the farm. You know, let's bring Dren to the farm because she's growing at an accelerated rate. She's already like a teenager, I guess you would say at this point. Well, you're you know, also they have to put her in a whole bunch of things here. I mean, there's all kinds of setups going on throughout all of this time frame. Like you said, she, you know, Dren. Who's you know, the, the creature or whatever you want to call it? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Upon being, you know, she she grows at this accelerated rate, which is why they have to get her right. out of the tank as quickly as they do. She immediately is stinging the Sarah, you know, uh, Elsa's character yes. as she's like reaching yes, in, kind of doing a cesarean, you know, birth mm-hmm. in this, this lab yeah. machine and whatnot. But what we're also seeing are signs of how the creature metamorphosizes it changes every time it dies. You yes, know, which is something that constantly is going on, that as scientists, I love the fact that they never figured that out. You know, like... Yeah, it was how, weird. If yeah, they're such right. geniuses, they're so smart that they, they know how to do all of this stuff, that they didn't put two and two together that, you know, hey, the creature died, and then it evolved and came back to life again. You know, then the creature yeah. died and literally evolved and came out of the cocoon thing that it was in and was standing yep. in the fucking corner like a little tiny, like I said, that's when it looked like Mew from, from <laughs> yeah. Pokemon. You're right, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, and I made that reference, too, as far as when I was watching it, I, I made that, that call. But, um, yeah, because, like you had said, it, it's constantly mutating and constantly changing. So when... <clears throat> Clive goes to kill it in the sink and he's grabbing the tail so he doesn't get stung and he's, he's drowning it. They all of a sudden find out that it's amphibious and that it can breathe under the water. Like, so it's not dead, but to, to go around a little bit after they get so, to the farm, they also have, yeah, go ahead. I'm hold sorry. on though. This brings this brings up a debate that me and the ghoul girl had when he okay. does that. Do you think his sole intention was to kill it? Or do you think he also thought that maybe as a scientist that there was the possibility because of the DNA hmm. inside of it that it could be right. amphibious? You know, <clears throat> honestly, if the things in this movie didn't happen the way that it happened, I would want to think that he was experimenting <clears throat> to see what would happen. You know, put it underneath the water and then we'll see what happens as far as it being amphibious. But no, I think his intentions were just to kill it. I think they had already set it up that he was just over this project. Like it was a failure in his, his mind because it, like you had said, it had stung Elsa. 
it was a fucking monster running around causing havoc. They could get fired, but you know, if they were found out that they did this. So I think he was just fucking, let's just kill it and get it over with. Like, let's just end it. And then we'll just scrap it. Yes, I do. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting theory. <laughs> I, again, like I, I thought it was, you know, again, I, for me, I was giving him a it's bit a good of theory. I, of a yeah. doubt. Like I do think that yeah. yes, you know, he wanted to kill it. Obviously, we see, you know, I know we keep, you keep saying it's a failure. You keep saying it's a failure. He is so much at fault for some of the initial problems with the creature. Just in how oh, his demeanor yeah. and reaction is with it. You know, when Elsa is initially bonding with the creature, there he is yeah. with a freaking broom ready to swat it, which immediately puts it into a negative, you know, feeling yeah. towards him. Um, you know, and I think that's like stuff that kind of like that grows with it. But yes, you know, I, I see where it's like, okay, you know, obviously the obvious answer is yes, he was going to kill it. You know, he figured that this was his chance to do it. But like I said, there's like a, just a part of me that just feels like as a scientist, you know, he saw those, the, the nose closed and all of that stuff and just, you know, yeah. I don't know, something maybe subconsciously triggered in his head. Like, hey, maybe this thing needs water to breathe, you know? Mm-hmm. No, it's a good theory, and, and you're absolutely right. That's the thing. I don't mean to keep saying it's like a failure because they actually did it. I just meant that he was just not happy with it. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's a monster. You know, it's running around. It's, it's, it's dangerous because it has that stinger on the end of its tail. You know, it's just, it's just a, not a viable option anymore to keep this while Elsa becomes very motherly, you know, and reading to Dren and treating it like a, a bait. And we'll get there in a little bit, you know, with the whole baby thing. Um, but mm-hmm. it, it's well, they do set like you were talking. They yeah. set up the fact yeah. that she wants to like move into like a bigger place, yeah. and she yeah. just wants to move into a bigger apartment. He wants to stay in the apartment that they're in because, in his mind, he wants to move to a bigger place when they're ready to have a family. And she right. doesn't seem to want to do that. No, no. And it, it, it's this constant back and forth that they have. And then you'll reach a point, like I said, in a little bit when it comes to fruition. But this is what uh, you were talking about before, about them being scientists, and you think they would know things about these creatures. This is a, another problem I had, is that you have this big demonstration uh, for all, you know, all the investors at NERD, where you have the, the male and the female organisms that they created, and they're bringing them out on stage and when they show it to the investors, at first everything seems okay, but then all of a sudden they both bring out their stingers and they kill each other in this bloody mess, these two organisms, getting blood everywhere, all of the investors. But then you have a moment with Clive where he's, he's yelling at Gavin, his brother, going, what, what the fuck, you didn't know this was going to happen? It's like, but you didn't know this would happen? Like, shouldn't you have done more research into the fact that they could metamorphosize into male or female? Like, it just seems okay. very, like, they just were not, yeah. Go ahead. Well, no, this, I think, is the fault of the writers. Mm-hmm. They, okay. at an earlier scene, you get a quick dropped line between Gavin and Clive, where Gavin mentions to him that gin levels are down. Um, mm-hmm. Like, it's really like a, if you tuned out for a second, you'd completely miss it. But right there, that's telling you that if her estrogen levels are down, something is going on with the female creature. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I think yeah. what, the, what the, the, the film 
fails, or at least the script fails to tell you, like, it's not showing you how much time and energy they were dedicating to Dren that was pulling them away. They're so busy showing us him trying to constantly be at odds with Elsa. Like, you see that Elsa's taking all of her time with Dren, but you never see oh, yeah. it with Clive. You always feel like Clive is not in there because he's out working. Right. But, like, and again, like, that I feel is like a fail in the plot because obviously he wasn't mm-hmm. working either. He was too busy with yeah. the same thing that Elsa was. They just don't show us that. Um, and I think that that's going to be something that comes up a little bit later, too, in the film when they get to the farm. And I'll bring it up specifically. But, yeah, there's, there's that quick quick little mention. But, yes, you know what? This this sequence is great, man. You know, like here's oh, that nasty, yeah. bloody sequence that I was expecting <laughs> yeah. to see at the beginning. Well, as soon as they yep, start running, it. like those partitions <laughs> start cutting up. And, I like, I, like, like I said, I heard him say the estrogen line. I'm like, man, those are two fucking males now. You know, I'm like, it's It's war. You know, they start fucking each other up, like, big time. There is blood everywhere, and then the thing explodes. It's like being at fucking SeaWorld with the splash zone, you know? I'd be like, I'd be paying <laughs> for those tickets. Yeah, I know. I would have loved it. I would have been clapping in the front row, be like, dude, all my money. You've got all my money. I want more of this. I want more exploding cock monsters. Like, that's what I'm here for. Like, this is awesome. Yeah. You heard it here first, everybody. The king... Yeah. He wants more exploding cock monsters. He's going to pay yes. to be yes. involved with exploding cock monsters. I will invest in your program if you have exploding cock monsters. If you can promise me blood, wants, I will fucking invest. He wants those cocks to explode all over him. That's what he wants. Has to happen. I, want, I, I just want to get showered by those, those fucking bloody cock monsters. Front row seats, baby. I'll have a poncho on and everything. King loves exploding cocks. How can you not? Um, but yeah, you brought up that thing about Clive and how Elsa is also their all their time is being dedicated to Dren, like to finding out that she has wings, that she's amphibious. Um, I just I like the fact that you brought that up because to me it seemed like Clive. Yeah, I just, I'm not a fan. Right. But I like the fact that they did, I... they did show. <laughs> yeah. What? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no, it's the fact that when they show Clive at work, he's not really doing anything. He, like, at one point, he's sitting there with a syringe in his hand just going, oh, hey, what's going on? Yeah, uh, Elsa's sick. That's why she's not here. Okay, people get sick anyway. So it's like he's literally going to work just to sit there so his boss can see that he's at work. He's not doing anything. He's not contributing anything to nerd. But as a scientist, then, like, that's the thing. You know what I mean? Like, the reality is he should always... These people are smart. They're super smart. You know, look at what they're creating. They are creating genetic life. They are... You know, the, the, the argument, you know, is always that, you know, God created us in his image. I always look yeah. at that and say, okay, well, if that's the idea, if God created us in his image, that does mm-hmm. that not then task us to recreate God's experiment? If we are made in right. his image, are we not then destined to do what he did and create life from nothing? 
Isn't that the idea? That's what we came from. We came from dust. We were made from clay, you know? So, so if God <laughs> is able to do that, and we're made as God was made, then we should eventually be able to do that and therefore ascend and communicate with our God on a peer-to-peer level. Um, once we do that, we haven't done that yet, you know? Now, whether that's because, you know, religion keeps us from doing it or science keeps us from doing it, whatever keeps us from fucking doing it. <laughs> In this movie, if they're not kept from doing it. They do it. That being said, my whole point behind that is, is as a scientist, he shouldn't be sitting there with a fucking syringe in his hand. Even if he's nope. at work, they should be showing us him working on things that have to do with Dren to show us that he's yeah. distracted from what his real job was, which is to work with these penis monsters. You know, so again, it's making everything seem like it's all on Elsa's shoulders. It's, it, the, the Adrian Brody character is so neutered throughout this entire film. That's like I yep. said earlier. It's like he had balls. He pulled them off. They attached them to Sarah Polly's character, and she's carrying everything here. Um, and I would just like to see a little bit more out of him with it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, again, we get that. Then they, they they have the whole move over to the farm, and that that's where I start to actually have a little bit of little bit of umbrage for things. Yeah, you know, and it's it's throughout this, you know, uh, Elsa continually. Uh, being at that uh, barn while uh, Clive is away, but she starts to put makeup on, on Dren, you know, and treat her like a, a child, you know, or like a growing teenage daughter <clears throat> with makeup. Like, my mother never let me wear makeup, but I'm going to let you. And then you have this weird kind of jealousy starting to creep in when she sees all the pictures are of uh, Clive and of men, you know, and there's none of her. And she's like, well, where's, where's the mine? And, you know, just there's no reaction to that. So she's like, well, okay, there's starting to be a jealousy vibe there. She takes her cat away because you don't know if it's going to make you sick. I mean, it, it's a weird uh, relationship that starts to, to break down. You know, the more time that they spend at this barn, you know, making a makeshift home for, for them. And it's a fucking sick, you know, kind of relationship that all three of them have, you know, as, as yeah, you well, know, they I progress. Mean, we have the whole, you know, Obviously, when they were in the lab during that entire time frame, you know, it's it's Elsa yeah. as the caring person, with Clive being the cold one. You know, he's constantly calling mm-hmm. Trent an it, not calling her a her. Yeah. Um, you know, he almost never acknowledges it as, you know, being an intelligent being. Right. You know, and to him, it's just another. Mm-hmm. And they've had, they had, they lived, they had a literal argument about it. You know, like when did this stop being an experiment? You know, um, right. You know, but literally, within seconds, when they get to this 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 farm, you know, that she all of a sudden has. They need a bigger place to bring right. Trent. They need a location. <clears throat> And Sarah Polly just conveniently has this farm that I've never mentioned, never <laughs> yeah. brought up. Like, she's like, well, I have the farm that my mother left me. And, like, you know, here's this guy that's, you know, with her. They're together. And he doesn't even know about the damn thing. <laughs> yeah. um, mm-hmm. Like, the cool girl being like, hey, we can always go to my mansion that, you know, that, that, that's <laughs> yeah. mine that I just happen to never tell you about. Um, when they get there, oh, I never told you? Sorry. <laughs> You know, he's calling Dren an it. The second she gets out of the car, yeah. he's like, it's doing this. And then by the next scene when she's there eating the rabbit or whatever it is. Sorry, mm-hmm. the bunnies are, like, looking at me right now. They're like, what? Something Don't ate us? Um, <laughs> yeah. Don't eat us, please, Papa. Um, you know, <laughs> as soon as, like, as soon as he sees her there, 
he's like, oh, I think she's hurt. And this was literally mm-hmm. within, like, seconds yeah. of frame. It's not, it's not like this was the next day. It's not like a, cu- a little bit of time went by. It literally went from him constantly calling it an it to him suddenly seeing it as a being. And that I didn't like. I wish there was more of a, an even transition of him going from uncaring to caring and for Sarah Polly to be going from caring to uncaring because that's the reversal that we get. <clears throat> but there really is no smoothness to it whatsoever. It just jarringly nope. happens. It hits you like a fucking ton of bricks the way that they do that, especially with, with like you said, with Clive. You know, when at one point when he goes into the barn when uh, Sarah Polly's character is sleeping, and then he turns on the jazz record, and then he starts teaching uh, Dren how to dance, and then they get real close, and they're doing that slow dance, and then all of a sudden he takes a couple sniffs and realizes the pheromones that she's releasing are actually Elsa's, and Elsa is the one that injected the DNA into the hybrid. And he's like, how could you do this? You know, and she's like, whatever, man. Like, we did it, though. <laughs> like, I mean, we did is it. Is this because of that super schnoz that he has? Is this why he's able yeah, to detect the like a vacuum that, she, that she's emitting? I, I, I didn't even pick up that it was a pheromone thing that he detected. I assumed it was the eyes, because he looked into her eyes, and he said something about, mm. like, something with... Her, her family, like I saw, I think, because they, they show the next scene, shows a close-up, which is why I also... The close-up of the eye. The yeah. eye. You know, so... It could, I mean, like, that, yeah. was the, that was the purpose. I know, I had said, actually, that, you know, like, part of what was causing him to slowly, like, uh, progress towards her was, like, a pheromone thing that, that was going on. So, I, I, I later, you know, obviously, you know, after watching the film, I always, like, look up little things on Wikipedia and shit. And apparently, I guess, the pheromone thing is in there. It's just, I, I don't know if it's something detectable. They should have did something where they did, like, I don't know, little, like, fucking Twilight-style sparklies around her or something to <laughs> show that she's emitting pheromones, you know? Would have made it easier. I mean, that's just what I took away from just because of the way he was looking at, at Dren. I was like, okay, maybe, you know, it, it's something that he, he's smelling or detecting that would lead him to think that it is uh, Elsa as well. Um, but after he goes fought. away, and then... Uh, what's that? <laughs> should have been like, did you fart, Elsa? Uh, Dren? Yeah. Did you fart? Um, that's like you also have... Right there. <laughs> <laughs> you also have... Um, Elsa is still with her jealousy. So after she takes that, that cat away and you have her bringing it back saying, you know what? I'm sorry. Like, you know, it, my bad, Dren, you know, you can have your cat back. And then Dren immediately wraps his tail around the cat and kills it. And then almost kills her. It's like, well, that's it. I got to cut the fucking tail off. You know, that, that's it. That's my only recourse is to tie you up and strip off your fucking dress. Get really fucking angry and I was like, much, uh, wow, okay. <laughs> it's just, it was so extreme that she's like, that's it. And it when like Clive walks in, scene. same reaction. Yeah, it was. It was. It was like an unsettling rape. scene. Why yeah. did she have to, like, rip her clothes off to get to her tail? Yep. Like, I know. why did she have yeah, no to reason completely, to. like, 100%, like, shame the creature? Like, she treated it like it was less than a being that she had spent you know, I know, and again, like, they, they were giving us a certain, like, they kept, like, dropping, like, lines about days here and there, and then they just stopped suddenly. So I don't know, like, I mm-hmm. the last, like, number I remember them saying was, like, 19 days, and that was before she was, like, at a lesson level. She was still, like, 
childlike at that 19-day period. Um, so I don't know how long, like, from that to this is. But, but yeah, like, I don't know. Like, they, they went down, like, she goes down this whole path of, like, stripping the damn creature when all she wants to do is cut its tail off. Like, I get that. Okay, look. The kid, yeah. Spite, spitefully did it. So, as a parent, right. you know, yep. your, your initial reaction to any time your kid does something spiteful like that is obviously a punishment type of, of reaction. But you right. don't grab the kid, strap her to a table, buckle her body down in all kinds of ways, and again, strip her clothes off just so you can cut off her tail. Just cut the kid's tail off. Well, yeah. I, guess and, and surgi- then, yeah. I guess she surgically removed it, so she had the restrainer. Well, and she also said that her, her reasoning behind that when Clyde walks in and asks her what she's doing is that they need to get the proteins. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I cut the tail off. You can get the proteins out, so go do your fucking job. And he has that moment of just being very caring towards uh, Dren, putting the blanket over her and trying to comfort her a little bit. And she's going to use it to her advantage because when he comes back into that barn, it's fuck time. Because it's immediate, like, you know, I don't know what's going on, but I feel the need. i got to kiss you a little bit. No, no, no. We can't do this. We can't. Do- yes, we fucking can. I need some strange and fucking far end strange. Not going to Canada for some hookers. No. Fucking strange. Hybrid pussy. Uh, it was such a it was, bizarre scene. It was weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, you know, it's. She gets on top of him and then spreads her wings, and she's feeling it, and he's feeling it, and then he flips her over. You know, he's got that pants halfway down thing where he's just so fucking ready to go that he can't pull his pants all the way down. Like, it's, uh, I was waiting. I was just I was hoping Sarah Polly was going to walk in and be like, what the fuck? I'm like, thank God she's here. Oh, we don't have to watch this anymore. Thank God. God, it's like a – well, I mean, you know, like we had – like we get two – we're privileged to two Adrian Brody sex scenes here. We get a sex scene oh, yeah. with him and Sarah yeah. Polly, which is weird because so he notices Dren <laughs> watching, <laughs> and that's when he nuts. Um, <laughs> but he's ashamed of himself. He looks away, but it made him come. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then we have this, this bizarre, I, yeah. It was fucking weird, man. Like, you know, she's a creature. She's a creature that you raise as, like, a child and your own in a weird sort of way. And, again, I know <laughs> she uses hormones and all that stuff. This is what, you know, and again, that's all right by Wikipedia. Even Wikipedia is saying that she used hormones to, like, make this happen. Um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, there's that once, like, you know, like, you knew, you knew Sarah Polly was going to walk in. But I love the effective... Like, she's standing there horrified with, like, just, like, what do you do at that point? And, like, she does the exact thing that she should do. It is get in your car and leave his ass there, man. And, you know, like, I I don't know how much time passes, but he, like, rents a van and, like, drives to their house. And, like, the ghoul girl was, like your shit would be so out of the fucking house already. And it could be the same night. She's like, man, you give me five fucking minutes after something like that and this shit's out the window. Believe me. Your shit would be all over the street. It would be all over the sidewalk. You'd be lucky that anything would be salvageable. Oh, it's just, yeah, it's just the fact that Elsa's so fucking forgiving. Because even I'm I'm with her, man. Like, you know, you know, you're fucking a hybrid creature. Yeah, your shit's probably going to be on the front lawn. But not, not Clive. Like, she gives him that chance, you know, all because of her DNA being mixed with Dren. 
So after they have their discussion well, yeah, in the apartment, it. that would happen. Yeah. He twists it on <laughs> yeah. it. He totally turns it on. Yeah. Right. He's like, he did. You're the one with this. It's problem. your fault. You did this and yeah. that. You know, you're the one that put your DNA in it. And then there's this. Dude, <laughs> and it's just, it was great because, like, I just we I yelled it at the TV at that point, you know, because like she's like, oh, and I maimed her, and like, you know, and they cut to Adrian Brody, and like, what I wanted him to just say right then and there was, well, I fucked her, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, it would have just perfectly matched up with her talking about cutting oh. tail and then him sticking his pecker in it. So, you know, just beautiful things. He and just gaslit like, the shit out of her. I never want to see the scene again, but I did nope. enjoy all the mess that it made afterwards. Yeah. Because then, you know, it's it's happy couple time again because they, they've all made up. So they're going to go to the, the barn and check on Dren, and when they check into the tank, you know, it's uh, apparently Dren had died in between the fucking and in between them going away. Again, like the ghoul had said, there's no real time frame, so you don't know if it's a month, you don't know if it's a week, but when they get back to that barn, she is in the throes of death, and they, they have to ultimately bury her. But then along comes, you know, the man from Nerd, Barlow, with Gavin. Uh, I think he much pretty figured it out. I didn't really have to tell him that much. And you find out that nerd is losing money, and they want to find out what the fuck this experiment is, so they can profit off of it. Of course, it's a big fucking money. corporation. It's a horror movie. Big fucking pharmaceutical company is gonna want their shit. Well, they lost the money because of the the, the, the penis creatures dying, mm-hmm. because that's what they had invested all their money in. Remember, Dren is an illegal research project, you know. So when she gave Clive the the talent or whatever it was, <laughs> the little stinger. Um, and that flesh, he uses that to synthesize the protein. But I think at that point, he's telling them that it's, you know, that it was leftover shit. You know, that they figured it out yeah. based on Fred and Ginger's, mm-hmm. you know, DNA. But they look, he looked right. at it, and it was, a living, it was a living sample. So he knew that whatever yes, it, was. it was was still alive, which meant they had something else besides those two. But here we are and again. This is- like these two yeah. super genius scientists <laughs> yeah. who are smart yep. enough to develop a living creature, and yet they once again don't realize that this thing dying is just yet another sign of it moving on to its next form. That's fine and dandy. You know, I love that you burn all your paperwork. You don't bury that yeah. fucking thing. You <laughs> burn that fucking thing. That thing gets put on Cut a goddamn up. fire, man. I don't... You don't want any, think about it this way. Even if that thing didn't come back to life, right? Let's say, <laughs> I don't know, considering you dug it like a fucking three foot deep grave. <laughs> I know. Just say <laughs> 50 to 75 years from now, somebody else is like making a development on that property and boom, up comes that thing. Do you know how many churches are going to be formed? People are going to believe like that thing yeah. is some life form that existed on this planet that was probably oh, like, they'll call it an angel. They'll be like, oh, it has yep. wings. This is proof that God existed and that angels actually were here. And, you know, Joseph Smith's got the golden plates and he buried them under oh. the tree. And we need to go to Salt Lake City because that's where we all got to live. You know, like they, 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 they come up with religions for the weirdest fucking things. As scientists, Burn your fucking illegally created creatures, please. I implore you. So yeah. listening, please listen to the ghoul and burn <laughs> your illegally created creatures. <laughs> please. That's the advice he's giving. Um, but it, again, after uh, Barlow gets taken away and killed, and then Gavin's taken away and killed, 
You have Clive yeah. running to, to the lakeside, and he makes the stupidest fucking choice in the world when he drops the flashlight in the water. He's like, no, nah, I got to get it. I got to get it. Elsa's like, let's just fucking go, dude. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Let's just fucking run. He's like, no, I got to get that flashlight. Leave it. Just leave it. Leave it. Fucking Clive, like, if you die now, you deserve it. <laughs> you know, because you had to get that fucking flashlight, which leads to your, you know, your wife. About it. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Money can fucking solve everything. <laughs> you know, just, you can buy another special flashlight. Because now your wife is getting raped by your creation. The male well, yeah, version of your creation, creation is now is no ready. longer a female. Just like Ginger you know? turned into a male. You know, they obviously set that up earlier. We knew that, you know, Dren was obviously going to do the same thing. And guess where we learned this? You know, again, obviously, the world of Splice never listened to the talkings of Ian Malcolm, okay? Because nope. Ian Malcolm would have let them know that on Jurassic Park, the fucking dinosaurs that were all genetically created female suddenly started turning male. And the reason why they yeah. did that was because they had frog DNA. You put fucking amphibian DNA in there, the damn things can be hermaphrodites at times. If their fucking species is going to go extinct, the fucking one side will turn to the other so that they can create more. But yes, now we have yet another uncomfortable sex scene. This movie is oh my god, uncomfortable it's the worst. sex scene. It's terrible. Oh my god, like I, I wanted to fast forward it because I was just like, I'm like, oh my god, it's like I'm watching a spit on your grave, like with this fucking rape scene, you know, where he's just plowing her and she's just screaming out for Clyde, and Clyde's like, oh shit, she's getting raped. I'm just gonna stab it with this stick, and that's gonna end everything. No, Clyde, it's not gonna end everything. God, you're an idiot. It's, yeah, well, you know, let's, I don't know. Like, the, the cool girl put it perfectly. She goes, well, he should have went for the head, you know? And I was like, yeah, yeah well, that's what Thor learned, <laughs> you know? Uh, uh, yep. Like, why you don't? Like, you're, you're stabbing a creature that you know can heal <laughs> and it's got wings and porcupine spines uh. and all kinds of other things, and it currently has its penis inside of your wife. Stick it through the head. Yeah. And then again, after he does that, well, that's the problem, too, is that he, he hits it with a stick and stabs it. And obviously, like you said, it can regenerate. But he takes a, a step back, you know, obviously to see what would happen. But Elsa gets the upper hand on, on this new male creature and bashes it with a rock one time. No, I'm sorry. If you have a rock, you just keep going until there's nothing left but jelly. You don't stop with one knock on the head. Because that's what leads to Clyde being hit with the, the needle point of the tail. No, I'm sorry. If I have a rock and I'm killing this thing, I'm not, I'm not stopping until there's just ketchup everywhere. Like, I'm not going to go, well, one knock on the head, that did it. The end. It, well, again, it looked at her. And, you know, like I guess in her head, you know, for a split second, those maternal instincts kicked, kicked uh, Her maternal instincts kicked in. And, you know, she thought about this as, like, remember, she is about to kill a creature that she literally, not only did they, they create, it's created right. from her genetic material. She reached into a bag to pull this thing out yes, to she did. bring it into life in this world. And but it just raped you. About to execute. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, yes. You know, I mean, there are all kinds of... <laughs> 
it's one of those like bizarre. It's one thing I'll credit this movie. It really does present a lot of like interesting questions as far as what one does and what is what is obviously what is life, what is not life, like you know, and and how much like how much caring does one have for a creature that they've created. You know, if that same creature is not born from them, you know, like from her herself, like that was her whole thing. She didn't want a baby in her body, you know, so she, she, she yeah. made one in a lab. Does that make and it that's any why different? I love this it's ending. Still her. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, with this, and I'm not talking about the movie being over. I'm talking about I actually do love this fucking ending because it's such a horror movie ending, where you have the big corporation and they're like, "Hey, you've been through so much. We are so sorry for what you went through." Here is a fucking dickload of money because we don't want you to talk about it and we wish you the best. Oh, look at that. You're coming along real nicely. You're pregnant now by Dren. And the fucking scene, we're done with this movie. Holy shit, great. I was like, that, that ending made up for it. I was like, you said what I want about this movie. That ending fucking just slapped. It was great. Well, they mentioned entering phase four. Right. You know, yep. so it's not just that they're giving her hush money. She is now the experiment, and she knows this. She's getting oh, paid she's not gonna talk about it. because she, she no, she's not going to talk about it, obviously. But she's getting paid. She is phase four. You know what I mean? Yeah. She is now the experiment itself. What she has is the next level of whatever this research is. She's got inside of her everything that was Dren, and in a bizarre sort of way. It's her in her. So I do wonder yeah. how that works. Like, how does your genetic material mix? Like, obviously, we saw with Ron Silver and Time Cop that same matter can't occupy same space. So, um, you know, there's, there's a throwback to last week's episode. Um, yeah. But, uh, um, but yeah, so, so that's her in her. So that's her actual genetic DNA through another creature with other yeah whatever you know what sciencey stuff they can figure it out if they ever make a sequel which will probably never happen yep. no we're not going to be talking about the spice sequel that never happened we're actually going to be talking about uh, the Dean's pick next week uh, which is from 2015 it's A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night directed by Anna Lily and the Poor uh, so stay tuned for that next week uh, go want to hear sort of progress we close out because I know we're running uh, a little short for time well, again, obviously we mentioned her plenty of times during this episode. Go on to Etsy. Go to Bonfire Bead Designs. Uh, it's all one word in the search bar. And take a look at her wares. She makes all kinds of beautiful custom jewelry. Uh, there's snake shed jewelry. There's bracelets. There's necklaces. There's pendants. There's gemstones. Uh, all of it is handcrafted. She works so hard putting this stuff together. She, Everything that she makes, she puts so much love into I know because every time it sells, she's so excited and so happy, and yet she's also so sad because she herself <laughs> is attached to all of these pieces. You know, she always Aww. makes jewelry that she herself would wear, and, like, that's the thing. So, when, like, it is a part of her that wants to keep it forever, but then there's also the artistic part of her that wants it to be out there for other people to appreciate. So, again, get on Etsy. Go take a look. You're supporting a small business. You know, you're supporting this show, and, and you're supporting my sex life, man, because, again, the happier the ghoul girl is, the happier the ghoul is. And a happy ghoul means I'm fucking happy. So if you don't care Fuck about yeah. that, well, whatever, man. <laughs> it is what Fuck. it is. 
We don't need you around. We don't need that kind of negativity. <laughs> Let him get laid, people. <laughs> what is the Dean's pick next week? A girl walks home alone at night. Girl walks home alone at night. So next week, yep. a girl walks home alone at night. Stay scared, everybody. Well, maybe she doesn't. Stay tuned. Plot twist. <laughs> she doesn't have sex with a weird hybrid creature. That's for shit sure. That is over. That is behind us. We made it. Ghoul, we got our badges. We survived. On to next week. Keep America strong. Watch horror movies. Hail Satan. Hail yourselves. Hail Odorous. See you next time. Yeah. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.